discrimination on the basis of physical traits of the person. What is new in this? We all know this definition, right? What is the use of knowing this literal meaning when, our, when we discriminate between black and white in 21st century also? Racism or discrimination based on race or ethnicity is a key contributing factor in the onset of disease. It is also responsible for increasing disparities in physical and mental health among black, indigenous, and people of color. In a racist society, it is not enough to be non-racist, we must be anti-racist. With this beautiful quote, with this beautiful quote, I would like to welcome our today's guest, Colin C. Thompson. Welcome on the show, Colin. Hey, Ashraja, thank you for having me. It's great to be here talking to somebody in India about racism. A lot of times, especially now in 2020, the topic is brought up just really by people who live in the United States because people think that's where the main issues are. But from my experiences and stories that I've heard my friends tell me, racism takes place all over the world. So thank you for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Colin. So I would like to request the listeners to sit back, relax, and enjoy this beautiful conversation on racism and getting some tips from the, from Colin on life. Colin is the founder of Allgay Enterprises and helps individuals through business training and personal development and career transition coaching. Today, he is here to give us some insightful information on positivity and self-confidence. Apart from this, we will talk about the major issue of racism. So Colin, um, I heard your story of immigrating to the US from Canada at an early age, going through ups and downs and finally ending up in Shanghai, China. As a great inspirational value, what actually happened? Like why you changed different countries and how did you manage these things? Yeah, so to get some background to your audience, um, I am, as you mentioned, I am currently living here in Shanghai, China. I've been here for 12 years and my move to Shanghai, China was deliberate meaning I made an active effort to get from the U.S. to go abroad. When I was um, eight years old, my family moved from Toronto, Canada to the United States. And prior to moving to Canada, my family was in Jamaica. Um, I'm sure you've heard of Jamaica. Um, it's, a very fa- it's a small island where Usain Bolt is from. Now here in China, if I say Jamaica, they have no idea what I'm talking about. But if I say the track runner Usain Bolt, they know Jamaica. So my parents left left China, I'm sorry, left Jamaica, first went to Canada, and from Canada, they went to the US. Now, I, I wanna share with you the purpose of the immigrating from Jamaica to Canada. And qu- quite frankly, it was for a better life, for more opportunity for their family. Same thing going from Canada to the US. Canada is a great country. Canada has a lot of rich resources and a lot of people work hard to get to Canada, to immigrate to Canada. My father always wanted to reside in the U.S. Uh, I think primarily because globally, the U.S. is the land of opportunity. And it is, quite frankly. So when I was eight years old, I didn't have much control over <laughs> going from Canada to the U.S. But I can say that my family did it. My parents did that because they wanted to give the kids the best opportunity they've had. I know a lot of my Indian friends also who have left India 
to go to Canada. Um, so I know that people believe that North America does provide more opportunity and perhaps it's also because it's not as populated. I know some of my Chinese friends, Indian friends, their families leave because there's too much competition within the country and there's not much growth and development. So uh, the, the first move to Canada, to the, sorry, from Canada to the U.S. was more to my parents. But my move to go to China was more deliberate and really based on me wanting to see life, experience life in a different culture, to do things a little differently and not be so comfortable um, in knowing if I stay in one place, I can sort of map the future. I want to just throw things, throw things to the wind and say, let me see how things turn out. That was really worth risking, Colin. So, uh, it would be really difficult for moving from one country to the another. Like, you would have so much attachment from your friends, your relatives and all. Right? I disagree. <laughs> I, I disagree. Because, especially today, just like you and I are talking right now, you are thousands of kilometers away from me. And we're talking now in real time. It's just like doing fa FaceTime with your friend who lives around the corner. So people now, families, friends can stay attached much easier. If you go back 10 years, I had to do an international phone call. Now, I can use one of many apps to communicate with you, not just by audio, by voice, but through camera. So it's very, very easy to stay in contact. Now, I think there's more of a challenge when you, you actually move somewhere. And I'll tell you why. To really go abroad and to stay there, meaning you're going more than just on a, on a, on a visitor a visa, meaning you're not going to be there more than three months. Well, you, I'm sorry, you want to be there more than three months. Typically, you have to have the proper paperwork to remain in the country. And that comes through typically education or work, which means that a good way for people to go abroad is going through the current company. The company may have them on assignment abroad for a couple of years or going to a university um, in another country. Those are the two main ways to get abroad. Without those, it's very difficult to get abroad and really be able to stay stay abroad without having to come back due to the fact you don't have a work visa or, or you know a student visa. So it's challenging in finding a way to go abroad. But the transition with your family and friends is not that difficult because you can still it's still relatively easy to stay in contact. Absolutely, I totally agree with you. So Colin, can you share with us some of your thoughts and experiences and insights on the current state of racial harmony in China and United States? Well, I, I can start with China because in China, and I'm, I'm going to answer the question strictly talking about race. Race meaning this color of your skin, your ethnicity. There really isn't any well, let me correct that. There is racial discrimination in pockets in China, but not on a large scale. There are some cities that treat Africans very, very bad. I'm not gonna lie about that. On a whole, and maybe I'm comparing this to things in the US, on a whole, I have not felt a lot of racist things. I felt discrimination, but not necessarily racism here. So I think that in China, because the vast majority of people here are Chinese, one race, you don't see it as much. People may discriminate against you uh, due to your country of origin, but it has a lot more to do with country of origin than it does 
your color of your skin. However, in the U.S., as you know, that's very, very different. In the U.S., there is a lot of racial discrimination, racial injustice, primarily due to the color of your skin and the stereotypes that people have about people from certain places and skin color. I think to answer the state of racial harmony and discrimination in the U.S., it's in a very bad place right now, a very, very bad place. Uh, some people may believe that with George Floyd, people became aware and you saw a major movement globally of people really wanting to help help African-Americans or people of color in, in the U.S. fight that racism, fight discrimination. But what's happening now with the empathy that people had is being drowned out. It's being drowned out by other things. The U.S. election and the aftermath is getting louder than the empathy people had for racial injustice. And my concern is six months from now, things are going to be almost back to where they were. So I think the state of racial injustice in the U.S. is in a very, very bad place. children are conditioned from a very very young age to have that view so if you think about one of the first things young kids do is they start watching tv if you watch tv you think about cow, cow, cowboy movies in cowboy movies the villain the bad person always dresses in black the hero dresses in white if you think about when they talk about heaven and the angels the angels white white halos always wearing white so from a very very young age kids globally are conditioned to believe that white is better, that white is right. And thankfully now we're seeing more diversity in TV, in media. But kids, you know, from when I was a kid growing up, you always had that image on TV that shows the white characters being of higher moral, more having higher morals than the people of color. So I think it's been done on purpose. It's being addressed now. And I think in time and time and time, things will get better. But I, I know very much about that study and it was sad. It, it, was, it was very, very sad. But the parents at home must help, uh, must help by reinforcing the positive attributes of people of color and letting their kids see people that look like them doing great things. And this thinking starts from the parents. Parents should tell the children that both colors are equal. There is no difference between the two. That this, it is yeah, just a way of seeing. Yeah, and I think parents, it's, it's difficult because parents can say that all they want, but the kids have to see it. Because if not, the, the kids may just think the parents are just talking junk, right? So the kids have to see it, have to be reinforced. And that's why people are pushing that we stop, we stop whitewashing movies. For example, characters on TV who were not white are being portrayed by white people, right? They're, so we have to make sure that society on a whole is, is acting like people are equal. You can't just have parents saying that and not seeing it. So parents have to, um, you know, take, take, 
you know, be involved in the kids' schooling. When kids go to school, are they being educated the right way? Is there enough information on people of color in American history, in world history? Right now, if you think about world history, world history, you can go back thousands of years in Europe. You can go back probably thousands of years in India. You can't do that in Africa because people have not told the stories. So I think that it takes a lot. And I think the younger generation now have their eyes open and are being more proactive in really understanding the history. What advice would you like to give to the ones who are facing racial discrimination? Keep your, keep your head up, keep your chin up. Um, things will get better. The, the only advi- the advice I would give is to ring the alarm. If you are being discriminated against, not just based on race, based on gender, based on sexual orientation, based on religion, based on anything, if you're being discriminated against, Raise sure you officially report it so it's logged. You want to have a you want to have a transcript or record that says you have raised this concern. If you're at a university, make sure you go you go to the to, to the right student affairs and make sure you let it be known. Wherever you are, make sure that you are officially letting people know what's taking place. Because I guarantee you, if it's happening to you, it's happening to other people as well. And the more and more people who let people know what's taking place, at some point somebody will say, okay, let's take a look at this. And that history that says this has been reported, but nobody made a change, that's what's going to help make change. So, uh, you know, I, I want to say something like, hey guys, don't worry, it's going to be okay. But look, I've lived in the U.S. almost all my life. It's not that easy. And I don't think things are going to change right away. So just keep your head up, keep your chin up, and let people know what's taking place. Yeah, absolutely. I would also like to say that if you want to, uh, if you're facing race, racial discrimination, then you should talk about racist experiences with others. You should share your feelings and most importantly, lean on your friends and family. Am I right, Colin? That is great. Yes, you, you are totally correct. I'm going to go further. I'm going to say if you are witnessing somebody who is being discriminated against, and we know that people have sat back and watched sort of turned eye to people being discriminated against based on race, based on different different attributes. If you see that, you also can take a part in raising the alarm and giving that person the support. You'd be surprised in how just just letting somebody know that you're aware of what's taking place and you want to help, how how much how better that will make them feel. So become an ally, right? Become an, it's not an ally, excuse me, become an ally of the person. So, Colin, what are your views on the death of American hip-hop artist, George Floyd? Well, George Floyd wasn't a hip-hop artist. Um, he, he was, well, maybe he was, he wasn't hip-hop, I, I don't know that he was a hip-hop artist, but his, his death, well, I think his death impacted the whole country, the whole world, because for being a person of color in the United States, if, if somebody would have told me what took place to him, with him without a video, I would have said, I wouldn't say anything because it happens so often. It's just another story, sad to say. However, because there was a video, and I got to tell you, that was my first time watching a man die, you know, in real life. I watched that video one time. I watched it one time only. I could not watch it again. 
because it was just that moving. And I think that other people seeing that, you could not unwatch it. Now, I say other people. I mean, people who are not of color, white Americans, white people all over the world. When they saw that, they had to, the conscious made them have to do something. If you think about the protests that took place in, in Paris, in, 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 in Germany, these weren't started by people of color. They were started by citizens of that country who just said, you know what, this is wrong. I just can't turn the page or turn the channel. So I think that George Floyd's death really was the spark. Some say the spark that lit this thing or the, the final straw, right? The final straw on the camel's back, that broke the camel's back. But I think that, that George Floyd, sadly, his death, well, sadly, his death could not be taken back. And I think, again, I, I, my, my hope is that people don't lose the empathy for what's taking place. I hope that the headlines don't get in front of what's really taking place because things are starting to slow down. And I just hope that his death and the video was not was, was not for a short time period as far as people have empathy and trying to make change. Absolutely. Like, when you said that, you also watched that video one time, I knew. Like, I was not able to just see the thing. It was so brutal. And, like, there was no words for me to say. Yeah, no. and you know what? It's, 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 sorry. It's interesting. Sorry to interrupt you. You say it was so brutal. You are correct. It was so brutal and so calm at the same time. Calm, brutal in that, you know, the people were pleading, pleading with the police officer to not kill the guy. And calm in how the police officer just stayed calm the entire time. I was so shocked that another human could so calmly, so calmly kill somebody else in cold blood and not feel a thing. So that was a very moving video. And, you know, again, I, I hope that at the end of this movement, that change, long-standing change, really does take place. And it is embedded into the country, not just fleeting. Absolutely. So Colin, you were in China during the initial coronavirus outbreak. How was your experience there? I'm sure it would really been a tough time. <laughs> My experience with the coronavirus being in ground zero here in China when it took when it took place when it, when it came out and at the time it came out in late january we didn't have any examples meaning we couldn't go on the news and see what this is about and what to do whereas other countries could see what ha what's happening in china and plan accordingly having said that and this may sound strange my experience my family experience has been great what i mean is in the first few weeks first few months we were inconvenienced due to the restrictions. We couldn't go outside as much. We couldn't get things to our door. We had to adjust our lifestyle. But nobody we know died. Nobody that we know in China got sick. Right now, there are very few restrictions within China. So our lifestyle is not impacted right now. And the reason I say we had a great experience is because I compare that, our experience, to experience people in other countries are having. In, in the United States, people are dying today. 
they have over 100,000 new cases a day. In India, India, I think the second leading country now for cases, if I'm not correct. So I see, I see people in other areas who are having a much tougher time than we did here. Again, we had to adjust our lifestyles, but after two or three, four months, it was gone. And I say gone, we had in, in Shanghai, there were three new cases, um, I wanna say two days ago. If you compare that three new cases to other countries, that is nothing. Now, I know people say that is nothing. So, relatively speaking, we're doing great. We're doing fine. Our thoughts go to people in other countries that are suffering, whether it be physical suffering, mental suffering, or financial suffering. That's where our thoughts go. I'm just really amazing. I'm just really and, how, and how are you doing? How, how are you doing? How, how are you doing there? Uh, like here, everything is just like uh, our prime minister is unlocking everything now but there's a sudden increase in the cases so let's see what happens but we are just maintaining social distancing and taking some measures that we should take and, and are you free to go outside and go to school or things like that not the school classes are online but uh, we can go outside we can just go outside the theaters are Closed right now, schools are closed, but everything else is just running. Okay, great. So, Colin, you are the founder of Life Coaching Business. What uh, was that living force which led you start this initiative? <laughs> so, the question is what was the driving force that got me into life coaching? Yeah. I want to say I had. I had a conversation with myself, and, and I do this often. And I said to, I said to myself, not out loud, but in my head, I, I asked myself, when I'm in retirement and enjoying retirement, and I look back on my life, what would my regrets be? What would I say? You know what? If I could have done it over again, and I did not want to have that. I wanted to be able to say, I'm glad I tried this, even if it didn't work. I'm glad I tried. So my thing is motivating people inspiring people to do better whatever that may be whatever doing better means to them and to do better means you have a goal that you're going after i love i love talking to people trying to motivate them when i thought about coaching i said i can try to motivate people and inspire them but i don't think that's permanent i think people lose motivation how can i help people to really reach the goal. Not just say, Coach Colin, here my, here's a goal. I want to improve my life by doing this so that I can do this. That's part of it. It's very easy to identify what your goals are. The challenge though, is taking that first step. And once you take, the, once you take that first step, continuing to go. You may go fast, you may go slow, but continuing to go, keep going, keep going, keep going. So. When I, when I thought about what I would regret or not regret doing, I would regret just motivating and inspiring and not help, truly helping people. So I decided to understand how I better could help people long-term and that's through coaching because coaching allows me to work with a client from day one through until they reach their goal. Not hand-holding, but keeping them accountable, keeping them motivated. When they're feeling a little down and, and losing their own motivation or losing their inspiration, not inspiring them, but helping them remember what they're trying to accomplish and helping them get going again. 
and that's what coaching did to me. So I decided to to bet on myself, so to speak, to have confidence that I could do this. One thing I learned a long time ago is in this world, you can get paid to make a living doing almost anything. So in my case, if I could get paid on a living, coaching, training, motivating, inspiring, that's what I want to do. Now, it might not work, okay? It might not work, but I'm going to try and I am trying. So that's what got me into coaching. And it's been a very interesting journey thus far. It's really an ideal idea. Like what's motivating people you're showing the path to the people on which they can walk on. And that is really a super thing. So thank you so much, Colin, for being on the show. It was an exciting conversation with you. I'm sure many people learned some positive outlooks of the life. At last, I want to just say that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. A beautiful saying by Martin Luther King. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please don't forget to share the episode with your near and dear ones to spread the awareness. Do follow me on Instagram for all recent updates. Link in the description. Follow Colin on all possible social media platforms. Links are in the description. See you all again next to today with with a new topic. For now, bye bye.